The southern Minnesota town of Albert Lee, population 17,600, had a problem in 2019. The Mayo Clinic Health System, which operated a small hospital there, moved a large share of the medical procedures out of town. Mothers now have to go 22 miles east to Austin to deliver their babies. People with serious COVID-19 and needing hospitalization also have to go to Austin. We were delivering 300 to 350 babies a year, and today we deliver zero. That's Brad Ahrens, a financial services professional and a cancer survivor. Ahrens is part of a community group called the Albert Lee Healthcare Coalition. The coalition, with 12 core volunteers, started three years ago as a citizens' action group to respond when Mayo started planning its moves to curtail what it offers in town. The coalition has a Facebook page and a community outreach effort that has raised $3 million to date. The group's big coup is it recruited the Mercy One North Health Care System of Mason City, Iowa, to come into available shopping mall space in Albert Lee and provide some of the services Mayo pulled from town. Plans were moving along at the beginning of this year, and then COVID-19 hit. And we have blueprints, and we had a firm start date of uh, April 1, which got pushed back because of COVID. All of this activity in Albert Lee is playing out in a larger scenario in which the nation's small rural hospitals are at risk. These are the hospitals of 25 or fewer beds that are needed for health care, but which do not have enough patients for critical mass when it comes to operating income. That need for available health care has become even more critical with COVID-19, and that has put a new focus in 2020, a year for many new experiences, it seems, the need for solutions that keep accessible rural health care in small communities. Small communities like Albert Lee, which we'll get back to in a moment, and Marshalltown, Iowa. Marshalltown was independent until May 1st of 2017. Um, they went, the previous facility, uh, I think the company name was Central Iowa Healthcare, they actually went bankrupt. And Unity Point Health, the Waterloo region, so it's Unity Point Health-Waterloo, um, we actually purchased them out of bankruptcy. Sherry King is the administrator at Unity Point Health Marshalltown, licensed for 49 beds, but using only 24 this past summer because that's all its staffing level would allow. Marshalltown has been through a lot with its hospital the past few years, bankruptcy, a new owner, the loss of the birthing center to save costs. Got it at that time. Um, obviously, we knew when we came in that there was going to be a large turnaround financially, but also a culture change that goes with that. Um, so, um, so yeah, actually this particular organization in Marshalltown has been part of Unity Point Health for three years. Marshalltown's hospital sustained steep losses in the five years from 2014 through 2018, including $19 million in 2016 and $9 million in 2017. Income statements posted by the American Hospital Directory and shared with Iowa Watch show... The loss had been $16.7 million at the end of April 2017. Miscellaneous non-patient revenue kept it from going deeper to its operating margin of almost $17.5 million in the whole, the records show. Then, the hospital closed its birthing center October 1, 2019, during its moves to make budget. Mothers now have to travel 30 to 45 miles away to the nearest birthing centers in Grinnell, Newton, or Ames. King said the hospital met budget in 2019 and that its 2019 balance sheet 
could show an operation with $50.7 million in assets. We have seen a, a wonderful turnaround in Marshalltown um, since Unity Point um, came to town, so to speak. Um, we've really, we continue to work on building relationships. I think previously um, there wasn't always a collaborative relationship or one that was trusted. And so, you know, relationships always take time to develop and to mature. And I think we're well on our way to reestablishing ourselves as a trusted part of the community, um, but that does take some time. COVID-19 gave the hospital opportunities to learn lessons and in real time. Oh golly, where to start? That could be a laundry list. Um, <laughs> I would say number one is establishing a clear communication chain so that everybody can keep up with what was literally changing by the hour, whether it was policies or practices or recommendations from the CDC. Um, how are we keeping pace with the rate of change? Because it was huge. Um, I, I don't ever remember. I've been in healthcare about 25 years, and I don't remember ever experiencing anything where we knew so little going in. Thirty-two rural hospitals have closed in the United States since 2010, and 15 of them have been so far this year. Those numbers come from the University of North Carolina's Shep Center for Health Services Research. Albert Lee is on that list. The Shep Center director, Mark Holmes, says COVID-19 could add hospitals to the list after money they received this past spring and summer from the federal stimulus programs runs out. COVID has had an unbelievable impact on the healthcare system. From the very beginning, when hospitals were canceling elective surgeries and, and trying to push away um, anything that didn't need to be in there while they prepared for a surge of uh, patients uh, with COVID, that cut down on elective surgeries, which tend to be some of the higher margin. So you were decreasing volume of high margin services for a business that was on a good year, probably breaking even. The other side of that, uh, that was probably less well anticipated, but certainly um, obvious in, in retrospect, is the change in voluntary services. So um, I should say voluntary, the change on the patient side. So emergency room uh, volumes collapsing 50%. So I think we all expected that when, uh, you know, that the elective procedure cancellations would have a, uh, a negative impact on revenue. What I think was probably less um, forecast was the, the more day-to-day -day business. Holmes says being prepared for an epidemic like COVID-19 is a shared responsibility. Preparedness, investment in infrastructure, yes, it does cost money, but um, think of how much faster we would have been able to react in March and April if we had had that infrastructure there um, to everything from tracking uh, hospitalizations uh, faster to having the tracking parties trained, hired, deployed, and, and so ready to go uh, much faster than where we were if we had had those stockpiles of PPE. I mean, I think one of the lessons here is that we, in our quest for better value, which means lower cost, um, higher margins often, 
we've streamlined and efficiencyed our way out of preparedness, which uh, in this case, it really exposed a limitation of the current system. Still, people who lead small hospitals in the United States are learning lessons in real time during the COVID-19 era. Interviews with hospital administrators, industry leaders, community leaders, and researchers produced a list of lessons hospitals learn, like early planning and moving quickly as possible without waiting for federal guidance, having a clear communications chain, using global budgeting. That's something that focuses on curbing Medicare costs, but also fixes those costs at the beginning of the year so that hospitals can budget with stability. Relying on virtual doctor appointments via the Internet, that's the telemedicine that a lot of people have been dealing with this year. Paying closer attention to hospital staff capacity and also willingness by staff to tackle an extraordinary problem in an extraordinary way. Being part of a large hospital group that has more resources to handle a pandemic has helped. And yes, large hospital groups do take their criticism. Remember how problems having accessible health care started in Albert Lee, Minnesota which we said we'd get back to. Here, Brad Ahrens of the Albert Lee Healthcare Coalition talks about the impact losing healthcare services had on his town when Mayo made its cuts. You know, I'm an employer here in town. I, I you know, my full-time job is, well, I have two full-time jobs. It's this and then my full-time paying job. And, and you know, it, it doesn't help us in Albert Lee from an economic development standpoint, you know, to not have a full service hospital in town you know we're the i believe we're the largest community rural community in minnesota that doesn't have a, now a, a full service hospital so i mean it it hurts the community it hurts the businesses in town it hurts us from a competitive standpoint when we're trying to to recruit businesses to come to town and employees to come to town Aaron said, though, that he thinks Albert Lee found a solution with the Mercy One Group in Mason City. For example, a doctor from there started seeing patients in a small former store at the town's Northbridge Mall in August, and plans for the build-out at a larger place, the site of an abandoned department store at Northbridge Mall, are in place. Albert Lee Healthcare Coalition leaders hope for a March 2021 opening. Exciting, quite frankly. It really is. I mean, it's... It's something where, you know, you sit back and say, can we really do this? We can do it. A few notes. Danielle Gear contributed to this report from Marshalltown, Iowa for Iowa Watch. And reporting in this project was made possible by the support from the Solutions Journalism Network, a nonprofit organization dedicated to rigorous and compelling reporting about responses to social problems. Also, this story was part of a multi-newsroom collaboration of Iowa Watch, Wisconsin Watch, the Institute for Nonprofit News, Reveal from the Center for Investigative Reporting, and Side Effects Public Media. The copyright for this report is held by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism. I'm Lyle Muller with Iowa Watch. Thank you for listening.